Our first reading is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 16, and you can find this on page 1145 in the Church Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord had assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are in God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives among you? This is the word of the Lord. Second reading is um, taken from Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24, and it's on page 104, sorry, 1478 in the few Bibles. So that's Matthew 7, verse 24. <clears throat> Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you 
We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into the world. We thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, looked into the eyes of Peter and saw his weakness and vulnerability and fragility, but said to him, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. Thank you, Lord, that you look on your church as you looked on Peter with great love. Lead us now as we journey through your word. For we ask it in your name and to your glory. Amen. If I said to imagine a type of boat, if you can click, Janet, what kind of boat would you see? What boat would you see? Now then, there's a few boats. Uh, is it a sailboat? Is it a luxury cruise liner? Don't know what kind. Anybody on a cruise? No, I haven't. No, no. Oh, a few people have. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, then there's a sailboat there. Next slide. Here we go. Here we go. There's a very simple boat. Fishing boat, perhaps. A rowing boat. Or you need a crew. Most boats need somebody in them to make them do what they're meant to do. On a cruise liner, it's over a thousand people. A thousand people are needed to run a cruise around the Mediterranean or to the Caribbean. You can, of course, sail a boat single-handed, as Ellen McCarthy has courageously done many, many times, but that's not what we're thinking about now. Every ship needs a crew to help it reach its destination and its purpose. A lifeboat is very much a boat that does have a purpose. When I was in Appledore once, I remember sitting on a bench, and this great sound went off, this siren went off, and then you just heard the gentle, suddenly feet running through the street to actually arrive at the lifeboat station and get in the boat, forgetting everything they were doing in their lives, forgetting everything that was considered risk to them. They literally get into the boat, and they rush out into the waters, sometimes quite dangerous waters, and they rescue people. And there comes a cry from the captain, all hands on deck, all hands are needed. Everybody is needed to achieve this purpose. And that's the cry we're going to hear over the coming weeks. Are you in the boat? And the boat for us in this analogy is the church and the sea in which we float, as we've just sung of, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus is the grace of God. And over the coming weeks, we shall hopefully have displays of different ways in which the cry of all hands on deck can be answered, or in actual fact, is being answered. But as Paul shifts the metaphor in 1 Corinthians 3 from a field to a building, I'm going to do the same thing now. As we ask, what does it mean for us as a church to continue to build the home of grace together? And we're looking at 1 Corinthians 3 now. Because that's the question Paul is asking the church in Corinth. You will know that Corinth was a vast city, had a lot of wealth, a lot of challenges, both morally and socially. But there were also tremendous opportunities for the gospel to grow. And Paul is writing about the church being a building. And God has given us a vision to be a home of grace in the heart of the city of Bath. And through the outworking of this vision to renew, restore, and reach people that God himself is longing to meet, to restore, and to renew. And Pauline is tell us, telling us we are to build, firstly, on firm foundations. Thank you, Janet. 
We're to build on firm foundation. Now, Alistair builds houses here. And he would say it's not just about the beautiful glass or the wood or the stone that's important. It's in what we see. What is just as important are the foundations upon which the home is built. The foundations have to be secure. And even in some of the homes that Alistair's just built, there was some trouble over the beginning of the foundations as to whether they were going to be secure enough. And Paul is saying the same thing too to us. For no one can lay any foundation other than that one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation of the church. This church, every church throughout the world. And it's so important that we hold fast to that truth that Paul is telling us, particularly in the current climate of today. We could so easily drift off course and forget that it is Jesus, the one that we are following. I myself have to remind myself of that in the world that I live and move and have my being in. It's become very clear recently how the church's teaching on the way of living is very, very different from the world. Really different. And so it's really easy for the church to drift into the way of the world's thinking rather than the way Christ is thinking and Christ would have us think. Mercifully, God has appointed Justin as our Archbishop. And in the first Lambeth lectures, he began with these words. I want to say just two simple sentences about the church. First, the church exists to worship God in Jesus Christ. It's quite clear. That's why we exist. Second, the church exists to make new disciples of Jesus Christ. Everything else is decoration. Some of it may be very, ne very necessary, useful, or even wonderful decoration, but it's decoration. And he, want, he went on to say, the best decision anyone can ever make at any point in life, in any circumstance, whoever they are, wherever they are, whatever they are, is to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. There is no better decision in a human being's life. That's quite clear, isn't it? First thing he said in the Lambeth Lectures. It's a lot about Jesus. It's a lot about Jesus being the best foundation on which to build one's life, including for us, the church. And Jesus is the foundation of the entire ministry that flows in the booklet that you've all been reading over the past weeks. Jesus is our cornerstone. Jesus is our reference point, the point from which the whole building of the home of grace is built up from. And Paul is saying, we stand firm. We stand firm on this foundation. And the foundation that, what is, that Jesus offers is that Jesus offers us the only true source of unconditional love. This is the foundation upon which we build our church and our lives, starting in you and me. As he says, we are filled with the Spirit. Don't you know, he says, that God's Spirit lives in you, the Spirit of Christ, and the Spirit brings all that belongs to Jesus by right, to you, to me. More of that later in May and June. And the problem is, though, that building sites are usually messy places. It doesn't look 
very much like what it's going to look like in the future. Sometimes the windows are not there. Sometimes the roof isn't even on. No doors. Where we've been on Portland, they are building houses. They are building houses, and you wouldn't think some of them were even going to get completed because it's just a mess. But week by week, day by day, all these different people come on like little ants and begin to transform these buildings. It's a work in progress. And the church itself is actually a building site where God is still continually building and restoring his people. And as we stand on the firm foundation of Christ, because that's the first thing to be laid, there are no limits to what he can do in and through you and me. He said to Peter, on this rock I will build my house. Peter, we know Peter. He's so like us, the one who denied Christ, the one who let Christ down over and over again, who didn't quite get who Jesus was, until he said, you are the Messiah. You are Lord. So it can't be about how strong we are, because Peter was weak. It can't be about our capabilities. He was a humble fisherman. It's about how strong are the foundations that you are building your life on, and we are as a church. For when the storm comes, as Jenny read, the house will stand firm because it is built upon the rock. We must always affirm as a church on this APCM day that we build on Christ. Hold on to that and do not drift. Secondly, thank you, Janet. As we build the home of grace, we are to invest wisely, Paul says. Many of you will know who this man is. It's a statue in Prague Station. It's a statue of St. Nicholas Winton. And St. Nicholas Winton, as you will know, looking at your puzzled faces, rescued 669 children on the eve of the Second World War. He rescued them from Czechoslovakia. And earlier this year, he celebrated his 105th birthday. 77 years ago, 77 years ago, as a younger man, he invested his time, he invested his energy, he invested even his money, and he took a lifeboat, as it were, into Czechoslovakia and brought children, many of them Jewish children, out of that fear place, created homes for them, and he poured his life into this one act. And his investment has multiplied, and there are now over 6,000 men, women, and children alive because of the choice he made, because of the investment he made. And his biography was written to inspire others to make a difference in their lives, make a difference in their lives. That's our heart's cry. That's our heart's cry as we look at Bath, as we look at this nation. That's why we want to invest in people's lives. That's what the trustees, Brenda Alistair Howard, who are supported in his such a servant-hearted way by Henry, are doing with the Gateway Trust. That's what Domi is all about. She opens the door to the centre and youth come pouring in from very good places, but sometimes hard places. Sometimes people come in with cares and woes that are too big to carry alone. Domi 
through the ministry of the center, makes a difference. That's what Sue and governors at our church school are seeking to make a difference in. Make a difference in the lives of the children that we are serving as they are prepared for the future, as they are prepared for life. And this is what many of us are about in all kinds of ways. As we sail into the world, each week you go out from here into all kinds of places. And as you read the news, as you look at the community we live in, both local and global, we can be overwhelmed by darkness, as one of our crew members prayed this week at the prayer meeting we had on Tuesday. But our lives built in the found, on the foundation of Christ seek to make a difference in all kinds of ways, and I've only said a few. And St. Paul says, take particular care in picking out your building materials. Invest wisely. Are we investing gold, silver, and precious stones, or are we investing in wood, straw, and hay? And he says we've got to be careful in what we use with what God has given us. Be that gold, be that hay, be that wood. We have to be careful because one day the building inspector is going to come the building inspector of Jesus Christ. And we will have to give account for what we've done with what we have been given. Account to the one who entrusted with us the gospel of good news. What have we done with what he has given us? How have we invested our time, our energy, our gifts, our money? Spiritually, first of all, I'm doing some work with Premier Radio at the moment. And they have done some research among Christians in Britain. Now, statistics are always interesting. We can make statistics say what we want sometimes. But they're saying that 90% of Christians, 90% have no other devotional time with God other than coming to church on Sundays. That is the only time people in this land who are call themselves Christians are actually spending time with God and opening their Bibles and praying. Not here, obviously. We know that. And then, for those who are coming to church, the average length of a sermon is 15 minutes. I'm so sorry we go a bit long here. I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. But therefore, that means that spiritually, you will have four hours a year, given holidays and things. Because also, people now in Britain only go to church once every three weeks. Once every three weeks, people come to church. So out of those numbers comes four hours of spiritual input a year. And that is it. That is what God is building his church in Britain with today. And Paul is asking, are we taking seriously what God has given? It's a big question. It's a big question to ask the church. Apple are the most profitable company. They have $178 billion in cash, actual cash. They have more cash reserves than the UK, America, and Germany put together. There are more iPhones produced in the world every day than there are babies born. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Are we investing in things of eternal significance? Is the question. Eternal significance that will grow the kingdom of God. Or are we investing in things that will perish and disappear? 
The decision is ours. It became very personal for me this week. Very personal. My green car has reached a tipping point, my little Mazda MX-5. Do I invest more money into this car that is actually rusting and decaying and won't even start? Or do I let it go? For a moment, I thought I could stop giving to the church and use that money to invest in my car. It's my choice, you see. It's my choice as to what I'm building on. So on Tuesday, a truck came and took my car away, and it has gone. And though there's sadness, really strange, isn't it? I, mean, I couldn't be there, actually. Mercifully, I was at a conference, but anyway. And had to wave it off goodbye in tears, but anyway. Because I enjoyed it, it was fun. It was real fun. And God is not against fun, everybody. If you think he is, my goodness, come and see me afterwards. But anyway. There is a tipping point, too, in the church. There are various funds that God has graciously given in the past, like World Cup Fund for Evangelism, that at the end of this year will have one, well, 10 pounds in it? Well, we'll find out later. But anyway, there's not much left. That has helped support the ministry we do on the foundation of Christ, where we invest in to make a difference, and that could stop. That could stop. And for some here this morning, you can't put in much. You can't put much in. You can't invest financially much in. Maybe one pound a week, like the little boy is going to hear in three weeks' time with the loaves and fishes who comes with just a small thing that you think, what on earth are you going to do with that, Jesus? But God multiplies that. God multiplies it. We need your help. We need your help even if it's a pound. We need your help. For some, it's more than a pound a week. Because many today can't commit to serving. They're too busy. But I can back the vision by giving money to release others to invest in things eternal. But they need supporting in this kingdom work, as Paul writes about. So we pay some of our crew to lead areas of ministry, be that Snow Hill, be that our children's ministry in the cafe, operations with Janet. Yet these members, our brothers and sisters too, need help. Not just now, but if we're really caring properly for people, for pensions too, which is a legal requirement in two years' time. We don't want to do that in two years. We need to invest now and care for people who are doing eternal work, doing kingdom work. And some are in this position where it's hard to give time and serve. And you can give, however. And we're going to say a bit more of that in a couple of weeks. We need your help. Many of you are giving time and serving in different ways, as we will honour later. Many volunteer for the vision to welcome, to be hospitable, to open our doors and say, come in, you're really welcome in the home of grace. Others do it through serving cappuccinos, through cutting the grass. Some do it through arriving early this morning and playing instruments. Some do it by writing huge reports. Huge reports have been written that you know nothing about, that somebody has done an amazing piece of work to help try and bring reconciliation in one area of life. There are many, many, many different ways in which people give. And we need your continued help. All hands on deck. 
and some are experts in certain areas of work, and we need your help. And we're seeing that now as people offer sacrificially time in some of the skills we have, particularly with the new finance team that is growing. And together as we pray and serve and give, we see this building, this building that gives eternal hope and light rising up, which is about the kingdom of God and about the home of grace rising in this city of Bath. But in order to do that, we need to build on firm foundations. We need to use what God has given to us and to invest wisely at the home of grace may be open in this parish and to the ends of the earth as we tithe a, great, a, a part of our giving to those who work overseas for God's kingdom. And thirdly, we are to work at this together. Now, some of you will know these men, Kevin and Tommy. Kevin and Tommy. Kevin and Tommy have made one of the biggest climbs in history in California in front of the 3,000-foot 3, sheer granite rock face. It took them 19 days in freezing temperatures. One actually slipped but managed to hold on. But in holding on, he cut the top of his fingers. It's really hard to climb when your fingers are so sore and wounded. And so for two days, he had to wait in this small tent before they could heal a bit, where he used super glue to try and get them to sort of heal up. His friend came back down to support him. And after 19 days, they made it, and the whole world cheered. It all went round social media. And why was so much interest in these two guys climbing up a rock in California? Why would we be interested in that? They were asked, and they replied, because this is a story of perseverance, and a story of teamwork. In this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is saying, build together. Build together as one team. He knew that some people were saying, I follow you, Paul. Others, I follow Apollos. Others, I'm going to go and follow Peter. And there was division. And we have worked a lot as a church at seeking to come together in a place of unity. No, we are one team. And we work together as one team. And unity is precious in the eyes of Jesus. As was revealed in John 17, before Jesus died, the important words of somebody they say before they die were about the unity of the church and Jesus praying for that unity. And then Peter, who on the rock Jesus was going to build his church, wrote this in chapter 4 of his first letter. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling rumbling down at the coffee after we know. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks with the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the very strength that God provides so that in all things, when people come here, God may be praised. God may be praised through Jesus Christ, for it is to him be glory and power forever and ever, Peter is saying. And we need each other with all our differences, with all our experiences as we build together, work together. We become more fruitful where everyone is needed. I discovered this not in church. 
I discovered it in hotels. It takes an awful lot of people to put a plate of food in front of somebody. From those who go out to Covent, Mark, Covent Garden and buy it in the morning, to those who are in the accounts department working out that it's paid for, to those who, in a sense, who then prepare the food, and the chefs, the 83 chefs that were working there, one woman. Then it takes those who actually carry it to the table. There's coarse linen, people who actually put the linen out, clean the linen, wash the linen. There are those who clean the plates, who clean the... Blah, 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 blah. goes on and on and on. There's those who've carpeted. No, hoovered the carpet. You know, it's a massive thing to do just to say to somebody, you're really welcome. Come and have a good meal. Come and have a good meal. We want to care for you. We want to make you feel special. We want to let you know you are a beloved son and daughter of the King of Kings. But we need to do this together. When Nehemiah was overseeing the building of the wall, different people came with different skills and they came together, but they worked as one team. It's a case of all hands on deck. And this is the way God has created us, that we work together. For as we work together, we find we encourage one another and we reach out to our community in Bath together. Through our mission partners, we reach out to the world. And through this reaching out that's built on a firm foundation because we've invested wisely, we see our society is transformed, that we make a difference where we are in Bath, wherever you are in your place of work, whatever it is, the people that you relate to. Because we do this together. We reveal, as Paul writes in Ephesians 3, the manifold wisdom of God. And the world is watching. And the world is watching to see how these people love each other and how they love me who is arriving shipwrecked on this storm-tossed world upon which I live, in which there is much fear. Why do these people live differently? Why do these people care? Why do these people invest in this? And it is through this vision that we are seeing lives transformed in our school, in Snow Hill, in our home groups, in our church, as visitors come and write and say how touched they have been by the welcome they have received and by amazingly how God's word touched them specifically on that day. An email this week from somebody, deeply encouraged because the ministry is rooted in Christ and because we're doing it together and because we've invested wisely. How are we to invest wisely? How can we work together, not divided, by rooting ourselves only in the love of God, as Ephesians 3, 17 says. And in this rootedness, in this foundation of the love of God, we continue to build, we continue to encourage each other, we continue to stay afloat, and that is a big thing for the church today. With declining numbers, we are slightly going against the trend in that people have, uh, this church is growing in a way by the grace and mercy of God. But don't be... Don't be lulled into a false sense of security by that. The division between a world that does not believe in God and a church that itself is drifting away from the belief and foundation of Jesus Christ is perilous. And we need to continue to be a light, a beacon, as I was this week for three hours sitting in the wind at Portland looking out at a storm coming in from the east across on those rocks and right at the very point is the, is the lighthouse. We are that lighthouse. 
We are so needed in the world because God sent his only son into the world that everybody who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There are people I know who do not know that. Am I moved to do something about it? Do I want to invest in that? You bet I do. Which is why I'm here. Which is why I do what I do. But I cannot do it alone. Esther cannot do it alone. People who are paid cannot do it alone. Simply if we then put responsibility onto everybody else. We need each other. We need each other. And that's what Paul is saying. And so can I encourage you to answer the call, not from me, good grief, from God. The Spirit is in you. The Spirit is in you. So all hands on deck. I really encourage us, though, to keep on board in whatever way you can. Let us not become so comfortable. Let us keep rooted in prayer and risking all for God, who calls us to respond to his cry. Will you rescue and will you save St. Swithin's Walcott? Will you continue the ministry that I began as my body here on earth? People are not only drowning in the med. Many are lost at sea. They are all around us. They are fearful and searching. And as we continue to serve God on a firm foundation of Christ, as we invest wisely, we will make a difference because Christ is in us, the hope of glory, and that is enough. That is sufficient for the day. Thanks be to God. Let's be quiet a moment.